with Counselor Mandy Bird. Here, you'll learn practical tools for navigating your losses and hear inspiring real-life stories from courageous people who have moved through their losses and found hope, their own authenticity, and how to give back to the world. And now, your host, Counselor Mandy. Hi, this is Counselor Mandy, and welcome to Finding Hope. I'm so so excited. You guys, I'm, I know I say I'm excited every single episode, and it's true. I am excited every single episode. And this episode is so, so near and dear to my heart. I have um, my beautiful, precious friend and colleague, Elizabeth, on the show with me today. Hey there, Elizabeth. Hey, Mandy. So, so, so happy that you're with us and what we're going to be discussing today. And as always, I am so happy that my dear friend, Cindy Bolero, is a producer who brings incredible excellence to Finding Hope. Hey there, Cindy. Hello. It's great to be here again. And it's great to uh, introduce Elizabeth today. Elizabeth Catignani is a certified creative grief coach, health coach, and author of Creative Grieving, A Hip Chick's Path from Loss to Hope. After several unexpected losses at the age of 27, she has passionately dedicated her life to helping others experience healing, joy, and purpose after loss. She established her creative wellness, a blog and online platform as a supportive space for women to become empowered on their journey in healing and wellness from grief to hope. She believes in the transformative power of the human journey and our sacred stories. Through sharing her own story, she hopes to light the way for others seeking a healthy, heart-centered, and fulfilling life. She is celebrating the eighth anniversary of her book being published by releasing an updated version as well as the upcoming audiobook version. So welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here, ladies. Well, what I'm so excited for you listeners to learn about Elizabeth and her story and to also know that her book is available. It's going to be available on audio very, very soon. And um, your book is so um, incredibly important and I remember when you were writing it. I remember back when um, I was saying to you a few minutes ago that I was like, you've got to tell your story. You've got to write a book. This book is, is needed in the world. Your story is needed in the world. And it's so incredible how um, you have given back through your grief, um, which I know means it means so much to you and so much of what um, Finding Hope is about. Yes, absolutely. And I really appreciate all of your support in the even from the very beginning and encouraging me to just put my story out there. And I, I just really felt like I can't be the only one going through these uh, experiences and these different losses. And I just felt that I had um, some important insight to share around grief and healing. And so it was actually very therapeutic to be able to sit down and put my, my feelings on paper and 
Um, it's, it's just been such a blessing in my life to, to have that and, and also to be able to hand that down to my children and um, hopefully they'll, you know, find tools in that one day for their own experiences in life. And uh, it's just been, it's just been an amazing um, process <laughs> to, that's really coincided with my healing. I'm I'm so um I'm so inspired by that and I and and have had the honor of of really watching and witnessing your journey and what an amazing incredible journey it is and what a honestly powerful um deeply loving you know and wise spirit you have and I'm excited for our listeners to to learn from you. So I've, I've invited Elizabeth to be on Finding Hope thinking, you know, just thinking to myself as we're using season four as a companion to my and Chris Sadi's new book, Tears Are the Source of Your Passion, The Power of Authenticity and Grief. And I was thinking about, you know, who can help me talk and discuss about the, the, steps in our process that um, Chris and I co-created many years ago. Um, We co-created a process called the seven steps towards the power and grief and hope, which is in the second half of our book. The second half of our book is dedicated to these seven steps. And I was thinking about step one, affirm your grief. And step two, open your heart. And Elizabeth, to me, you are such a beautiful example of and a great teacher around these very steps. So I wanted to explore these steps for our listeners with you. And the first step, affirm your grief, is really truly about that. As, as, as you know, it's about the importance of honoring our grief, acknowledging our grief, allowing our grief, you know, allowing the three leading feelings, anger, anxiety, and sadness to exist within ourselves, to not fight it, to not repress it. And, and I wanted you to, you know, have an opportunity to talk about your own story and, and what that step has meant to you, how it aided and, and helped and supported you. Um, absolutely. And first of all, I want to say I'm so excited about your book because <laughs> <this, laughs> these steps have, I mean, they've, they transformed my life. They really did. And they helped me truly move through the grief process in the most supportive way. And so I just, I know that it's going to be life-changing for whoever can get their hands on it. And I'm just mm. I mean, you just, mm. you blow me away and I just can't wait for everybody to have these tools, um, for themselves <laughs> because they're just life-saving, like literally. Um, oh, wow. But, Thank you so much. <laughs> and with, yes, with the affirming, um, it was so, especially in the very beginning, just needing to fully allow the pain and the sadness and the the heaviness to just truly have its room to move because there's truly no way 
you can really escape that or go around it when you're, when you're just, I mean, just literally just on the floor, having your life turned upside down, having lost your loved one. Um, just knowing that it was okay to have those feelings and that it was normal to have those feelings uh, really gave me permission to, to, to feel everything. And I think that in the long run, even though in the beginning, uh, of course, it's going to be super painful and overwhelming at the beginning, but to really know that, okay, this is a normal part of losing something that you love and that it's, you're going to be able to survive this um, one step at a time, one, even if it's one moment at a time, uh, helped me immensely to, to more, to treat grief, like it was more of a gentle, like, okay, like, I'm not going to run away from this, but rather maybe grief can be my friend through this. And, and I, I just can't say enough about if I hadn't let those feelings come and honor my heartache, I don't think I would be where I am today. And that was a lot, you know, it was a lot of crying, it was a lot of up and down. It's, it's a lot of mixed emotions, but just to know that you're also not the only one on the planet that's gone through something and that there are other people that have felt those things and gradually ever so slowly moved through it to the other side. I, I think that it's important that we acknowledge that, you know, that darkness in the beginning is normal. And so I think that, that in the long run, I'm just grateful <laughs> that I was able to process and know that it's okay. That I'm not okay in the very, in the early stages. It's just, how can you yeah. be when you've had yeah. these yeah. people ripped out of your life or your loved ones are suddenly gone? You can't just pick up and expect life to be what it was. Uh, so, so learning that that was okay was really huge for me to, to just be in that. And it, it did gradually lighten, you know, just because I think I let the, the feelings move through and gave them space and I found uh, support uh, and I found the words and it, it just, um, just having that permission and giving yourself permission to be where you are, uh, I think is, it's just an incredibly healing uh, tool and a, and a way to, to move through grief more gently than trying to resist uh, what's there. Wow, that's so powerful to to move through grief more gently instead of trying to resist what's there. And I mean, I think the you know the timing of how our lives converged is quite remarkable to me. Um, and you know, the, all those years ago, and you know, it's it's. It's really amazing. It's it's like um, you know my my fury. Um, I, I've had this righteous indignation since I was a little girl, um, a small child, in fact, around um, being 
being denied um, by our culture the right to grieve. You know, I mean, I remember being in so much pain. I mean, just literally feeling like my heart was shattered inside of my chest and, and, and looking around the world around me and, and the message that was clearly coming to me as a child was, don't show your grief, don't show your pain, act like it doesn't exist, act like everything's okay. And so by the time I was in my, you know, adult life, I, you know, I was just determined, like, I'll be damned, I am going to, you know, one of my great callings is to help others. I don't want anyone to ever feel the way that I did, to ever feel so isolated in their sorrow. And, and so I remember in, in knowing you and getting to know you, I mean, you know, your, your great, um, it's, it's, it's like as, as, you know, as angry as you were around, um, the, you know, how it was so unjust what happened in your life. You are so passionate about, I'm going to feel every single one of these feelings. You know, like I just saw that in you. I just saw you grab a hold of, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be denied this pain. I'll be damned because it hurts like crazy. Um, and I'm not going to be be denied it because because it hurts so bad. I can't pretend like, you know, like it 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 isn't so painful. And and the other thing that I thought was so amazing about you um, is that, you know, you were so certain that that there wasn't something wrong with you that you were hurting so badly. You know, I think it, it, that was always so inspiring to me. It was like, you knew, like, this is a normal response. This is a normal response to something so tragic happening. Um, and I'm realizing that some of our listeners might not know um, the tragedy that you experienced. Would you, would you mind sharing that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, back in... Gosh, it was 2009, um, which really is odd. It does not feel that long ago. <laughs> um, but I, I lost my, my husband at the time, and he was in the special forces, and he was over uh, in Afghanistan serving. Um, he was on his final deployment, which would have only been about six months, and only after about one month of being there, he was, um, he was killed while out on a mission. And uh, as if that wasn't enough, just 18 months prior to that, we had lost um, our son uh, full term. Uh, he was stillborn uh, at birth. And so we were already still mm trying to, you know, move through that grief and heal together from that experience. Um, and we also, by when he passed, uh, I, we had a, thank God we had a healthy daughter who was six months at the time. Um, so <laughs> having, you know, lost two members of my immediate family back to back in less than two years, uh, I mean, you know, talk about having 
your heart ripped out of your chest and your life turned upside down and not knowing (laughs) right from left or up and down, you know, it was just, um, you know, I, I, I remember the amount of anger I had and I remember thinking how, how can I not just, just feel this, you know, and have to, you know, just the rage that I had over how unfair could life be and how could something like this happen twice and why me and just, you know, all those, all those thoughts and feelings. And, um, and yeah, I just, I didn't know, I honestly didn't really know how else to cope with it other than to like, to, to feel the rawness because, you know, having your loved ones just rip, ripped away from you, um, almost like violently, you know, it's just like, how can you not, if you're human, you know, how can that not just, um, tear you yeah. apart, you know? So yeah, like it feel, it almost felt inhuman to not, to not be enraged and to not be on the mm. floor crying, you know, just mm. how, how could that not be a natural way to, to respond to something so horrific? So, you know, it does, it saddens me when I feel like people can't um, just be true to their heart and, and, and feel those things when it's, that's just the reality, you know, like life is not all sunshine and happiness. Yeah. And I mean, that's just, you know, and, and, and we're, I, I think a lot of society tries to make us think it should be that way, but that's, yeah, that's not what it, <laughs> that's not life, you know, life, life, Right. It's full of hardship. It's full of trauma. It's full of transitions and losses. And, you know, things are always changing and shifting and, um, you know, are always looking for happiness and seeking for joy. Um, but it's not always going to be available <laughs> when we want it. And uh, so I think it's so important that we learn that, you know, sometimes these waves are going to come and happen to us and we, um, we're, it's, it's okay to not know exactly what to do because, you know, we, we don't have the answers to every, nobody has the answers to everything. There's no like perfect way to, to move through these things. And, you know, and, and so it's, you, you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. You don't have to like live up to anyone else's expectations. You just have to do the best you can. And mm-hmm. You know, other people might judge you <laughs> along the way. I've had that happen. Um, but to really pick up the pieces and try to, like, start over from zero, it's like give yourself a little grace. <laughs> you know, give yourself some yeah. time. Um, you know, there's really no reason to feel like everything has to be rushed either. You know, thing, things have their own pace. And I've, you know, I've, I've always been a pretty impatient person. And I've learned, though, over the last decade <laughs> to really just um, try to not push things to happen so much and, and try to just, you know, let things have their moment. And, and it takes time to heal. It takes time to move through changes. And, um, you know, so finding people in your life that can support that and that can you can lean on through that um, is so essential. Um, so yeah, I, I could go on about that, but, <laughs> um, but those are, yeah, that's, that's, um, what happened in my life that really, uh, just completely 
changed everything and changed how I see, see the world and how I try to approach things. And, um, it really taught me uh, a lot about, uh, gratitude and the small moments, the small things, you know, um, Mm. so I'm still learning, you know, today I'm still on my journey today. Yeah, me too. I want to say that I'm, I'm so moved by, there's a couple things you've said um, around, you know, step one, aff- affirm your grief that um, Chris and I are, are offering in um, our book that have touched me so much, Elizabeth. I mean, it, it touches me so much to hear you say that these steps really saved your life. That, um, I mean, that just moves me. It just moves me to they tears. Do. Um, it really did. And it also, um, I mean, really just touches me so profoundly. And it also touches me, your wisdom to hear you speak about. And, and that's what this, this is what we're saying in this step, that you're saying to not have those feelings. It's like, not, it's inhuman. <laughs> you know, like it's not yeah. inhuman, not have those feelings. And I mean, you know, um, I just, I remember, can I have to share this story? So when, when Elizabeth and Cindy and I, the producer of Finding Hope, when this, you know, the, the three of us, um, in 2011, over a decade ago, which blows my mind, um, we, um, opened a grief center in Charlotte, North Carolina called the Respite, um, a center for grief and hope. And, you know, the three of us partnered and, and I know that, you know, we're all so, so, so proud of, of what we did for those five and a half years that um, we were able to keep the respite open. It was a nonprofit here, and we offered a variety of healing modalities and ser- services to actually help people in their grief. Um, and, you know, I remember the very first, um, I love this so much, the very first uh fundraiser that we had for the respite we had the symbol of the respite uh, the gorgeous logo um, painted by our dear friend Katie who's a very talented artist painted on Elizabeth's back and then we had um, our dear friend Ginger take a photo and had these huge posters made and and that was the poster that was the photo that we used for advertising to advertise our fundraiser all over the conservative town of Charlotte, North Carolina, which I loved every single minute of it. I loved when we had your, you know, your naked back with this gorgeous painting. <laughs> on, you know, it, it was, it, it was in downtown Charlotte and like bus, bus terminals, you know, the poster was like, I mean, it just, and to me, it's such a beautiful example of, of, you know, affirm your grief and beauty can come out of it. I mean, like you're back mm. with the emblem of our, our tree from the respite painted on it. To me, symbolically represented the beauty of your humanity and the beauty, beauty of affirming your grief. And what allowing, affirming your grief means allow your feelings to live within you. Allow them. Mm. And beauty is going to come to you and, and, and your heart will open. Um, and, and, and to me, you're such a credible example to 
speak about that because my God, I mean, you have walked in hell, in absolute heart shattering hell. And you know that actually partnering with your literal feelings, it's what kept you alive. Yes, it truly was. And it wasn't, Ah. it was, you know, it wasn't easy. It was, it was a little scary (laughs) as it, as it is with, with those things, but it's trembling. I I, I mean, it's trembling, but, and, and what's so key and what you always say is about is get support, reach out for support. And, and I want to say that again, that, you know, Elizabeth's book is a beautiful you know, guide or, you know, it's this incredible handbook to access support for yourself, you know, and, and, and her story is, is so, is so powerful. And I really hope that you will gift yourself. And I want to say about this before we talk about um, step two, open your heart. I do want to say, Elizabeth, so in December, um, Cindy and our dear friend, Tammy Starling, who's also a very powerful, knowledgeable woman around, around grief and has an amazing story. We do this annual thing called Hope for the Holidays, which you have also been a part of with us in the past. Well, I want you to know this past December, there was a woman who joined us for the workshop who said that she had found your book when it came out in the library in Charlotte, North Carolina. And she had just been a widow briefly, found your book, was so blown away that you lived in, you know, the same town that she lived in, found the the respite, and she came and pounded on our door. And literally that story, she, and when I tell you who she is off air, you'll know, but she became a big part of the respite. She worked with us. She joined in all of our programs. And she says that your book and the respite and our work saved her life. And that's, just, that's what it's about. Wow. That's I just really like chills. It's just, yeah. 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 So, all right. Stay with us because now we're going to move into this second step, which I'm telling you, when, when we talk about these steps throughout uh, season four, I want you to know that they're not linear. I mean, you, you might decide, when, I mean, when you read the book, you don't even have to read the book in a linear way if you don't want to, but you can read them steps, you know, one through seven. There's a reason why we have positioned the steps the way that they're positioned. However, you can move around. Um, you can work on step one and go to step six. I mean, you can move around, but there is a reason why they're positioned the way they are. I also want you to know that these steps are, they're an offering. They're a guide. You know, just imagine that, you know, that you have a powerful force holding your hand as you're walking through your 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 journey or your deep valley of, of, of pain and grief. That's what these steps. We're not saying that if you do these steps, you know, you're gonna be fixed. That that's and, and if people tell you that about grief, run in the other direction. That is toxic, that's insane. These steps are meant to help you, to support you, to guide you. 
and and to and to and to really help you love yourself and to help you love others. So, with step number two, open your heart. I want to say a few things before I turn it over to um, Elizabeth for her to share her wisdom. And what I want to say about open your heart is that when we are shattered, when we are heartbroken, when we are severely disappointed. You know, when our world falls apart, whatever your loss is, you know, if, you're, if, if someone has betrayed you and left you, if you've betrayed someone and left them and you're devastated, if you, you know, lost your job, if your beloved pet, your dog who is your child dies. I mean, life is full of a 10 million or billions of varieties of loss. It is so tempting to close your heart. It's so tempting to shut down. It's so tempting to say, all right, that's it. I'm done. I've risked. I've been vulnerable. I am closing this heart down. I'm not going to allow life to, to ever hurt me again. And when you do that, you shut down your life. When you do that, you close off to the possibility of being introduced to your own passion. So the reason why we are so kind of in your face about open your heart is because we're saying as vulnerable as you feel, as hard as it is, do everything you can to scratch, crawl, scream, beg, fight, do whatever you can. Keep your heart open because that's where your authenticity lies. That's where your treasure is. Your treasure is buried in your own chest, no matter how frightening it is. And we're here to help you. We're here to support you in that. So, Elizabeth, tell, tell our friends and our listeners what, what your thoughts are and the importance about keeping your heart open and what that has meant to you. It's, yeah, it's been a huge part of, of my healing journey, for sure. Um, especially in the beginning, I, I just really, as much as I was in pain and I wanted to protect myself, and my, you know, I was feeling super raw. I, I still craved like real connection. And so I, I, I really sought um, actively um, support with um, therapy, like one-on-one. And then I also really wanted to um, try to connect with other people that could potentially understand where I was at in my life and what I had gone through. And um, cause you know, it can feel really lonely, <laughs> um, in the, with the rest of the world, you just feel separate and almost half alive in a way. Cause you're just sort of, uh, just kind of on autopilot trying to get through just a regular day when it seems like, it seems like it's so much easier for everybody else. And, uh, so I, I tried out a couple of support groups that I didn't really feel, um, they they were quite what I was looking for. So I um, actually took steps to begin my own <laughs> group called, um, I named it Soul Widows. And because I really wanted to connect with um, younger widows that had, you know, I was only 27 um, when my late husband died and uh, definitely felt very, very out of place um, in general in society because of that. And so I, I really wanted to uh, try to meet other women that could relate to where I was in my life, to the type of losses that I'd had. Um, so that was actually one of the the biggest things for me um, was was building 
new friendships and new relationships out of uh, a commonality uh, with with our loss because I, I couldn't, you know, obviously a lot of people couldn't relate, you know, to my experience and my that I had known for years and I even um, kind of, you know, lost some some friends along the way that, you know, we couldn't really connect in the same way after that. And so, you know, and that was, so that was really um, incredible just getting to um, witness other women on their own healing path and see and have, you know, just share that, that vulnerability together because, you know, we're all, you know, just, you know, just kind of giving that space to honor uh, where we're at. And um, so, so that was really a community that I, I really found I needed early on. Um, and so just, I think that helped me also just find myself a little bit more again, like my, my humor was able to come back a little bit over time, Mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, just, just being able to connect with parts of myself that I thought might be gone, you know, or might be dead and that had might've died, you know, um, so being able to sort of just rediscover like who am I and you know after these experiences and um and you know have people remind me like oh I am you know I I can be funny and I can be you know interesting and fun and and I have things you know that of value to offer the world and um so that was just very eye-opening and um because I could have chosen to just, you know, go hide in the closet and <laughs> say that's it. But I, I didn't want that. I knew I didn't want that in the long term for myself or for my, my child that I, I was raising. And, um, you know, so just gradually um, easing back into life um, and, you know, trying to do things uh, for myself, just little, little forms of self-care, whether it was, you know, getting a massage or, um getting my hair done or, you know, uh, going for a walk out outside and, you know, just, just connecting with, with nature and what's around you. And so it it was really just, um, a gradual process of, of trying to, um, just sort of rediscover myself and allow, allow new people in, you know, as, as I felt safe and comfortable, um, you know, and, and I, and you, you kind of determine, you know, what environments you feel safe and comfortable in. And um, so, but, but it was huge in just being able to see that, okay, there's still some life in me and I still have uh, something to give and something to offer. And I still have a purpose um, and I, and to find meaning again, you know, I think if, if I'd closed my heart and said, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything and <laughs> I'm just going to give up. I, I, I think I would still be in a pretty bad state of misery. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it was, it was a little scary at first, but, you know, doing it in safe spaces like a support group or, um, you know, that kind of environment really helped to kind of open me up again uh, over time. Well, I, I'm so, um, so touched by, you know, that you, you, you didn't find what you needed. And so you sought it out in the world and, and created it yourself. And I, I just love that. I, I've always just oh, loved that and adored that about you so much. And 
I mean, this step is really about opening and trusting and allowing your heart to expand and, and, and be, you know, more wide and, and to deepen your experience of life. And, and that that is certainly terrifying when, when you've experienced the kind of pain that Elizabeth has experienced and that some of you out there have experienced that, that, you know, I also have experienced that when you're, when you're so hurt and so raw, it feels terrifying to trust life, to keep your heart open. And, you know, ultimately, and, and Chris and I talk about this in more detail in our book, and, and we speak about tools that can help you um, along this line of keeping your heart open and the importance of keeping it open. But ultimately, it's about no matter what's happened to you, it's about loving yourself and loving the world around you enough um, because you're worth it. You're so, so, no matter how much pain you're in, don't allow the pain to trick you into thinking that you're not worth what you long for, what you desire, what your heart wants. No matter what's happened to you, keep, keep your heart open and, and, and trust. Trust it. Trust it. Um, and Elizabeth, you are, you know, such a, a beautiful example of that. I'm, I'm so grateful that you could be with us today and, and, and help me explore and share for our listeners what Affirm Your Grief and Open um, Your Heart is about. And will you, Elizabeth, tell our listeners where they can find your book? Uh, yes, uh, you can find it. It's available on Amazon and also barnesandnoble.com. And uh, soon, I believe at the end of this month, at the end of February, the audio book version should be available, which I'm very excited about. Um, it's the, the second edition, uh, which was just released a few months ago um, with the paperback. So, um, and that will also be available on Amazon as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank <laughs> you so much for being with us today. It's such a joy and pleasure connecting with you and uh, just warms my heart more than I can say. Um, and you can find me at, uh, on Instagram at Counselor Mandy. You can find me on Facebook uh, at Counselor Mandy, and also you can find me at MandyBird.com. I want you to know that my and Chris Audie's book, Tears Are the Source of Your Passion, The Power of Authenticity and Grief, is available on, on Amazon. I really am so excited to share this with you all. It is also available on ebook if that's easier for you. Thanks so much for being with us. I'll see you next time on Finding Hope. <music>